0: Before we start today's episode of the podcast, I want to share a little bit more about my story. While I've talked about my story here in the podcast, while I've written about my story and other places and stay forth, maybe you've seen our field notes page where I often write about leadership, I've rarely shared my own story of leadership. So let me catch you up. I was a pastor for 13 years in a local church. And during that time, I developed leaders, including church planters, pastors, and other places. And I began to coach leaders across the country. So I've been coaching for about a decade, but about five years ago, a significant shift happened to me in my coaching, as I began to realize that leaders had plenty of information, but there was a level of overwhelm which led to unhealth, which led to many leaders burning out, and I realized there actually was a lack of sustainability. Leaders were leading in a way, were pushing in a way, striving in a way that simply was not sustainable. So I began to shift the focus away from just competency and capacity in my coaching and training, which is incredibly important but is not the full story. I shifted that to a focus in health, to longevity, to ask the question, how can we lead and continue to lead a long time from now in ways that are healthy and sustainable and out of our unique design? Not comparing ourselves to somebody else down the street or on social media or in our city or at a nonprofit that we love, but simply out of who we are who God has designed us to be. And two years ago, I went full-time with that vision, with Stay Forth. And since then, our team has grown at Stay Forth. We have coaches across the country. We have a central team that organizes content and does everything around the experiences and the coaching that we host. There's two things we primarily do. We coach leaders to help them to clarify their obstacles and their next steps. And we host experiences that help leaders replenish. These are four-day experiences in beautiful places where we want to see leaders who are feeling depleted be replenished in their heart, soul, mind, and strength so they can return back to the ministry that God has designed for them. Whether that's through business, whether that's ministry in their family, whether that is a kingdom life lived in their neighborhood or in a nonprofit, changing the world in some way, we want to be part of the journey through coaching and experiences. There are several ways that we live those two things out, but we want you to know that one of those ways is right here on the podcast. We want you to live and lead right side up in an upside down world. It is possible to live and lead well for the long haul without losing our souls in the process. And we work with leaders through coaching every single week who are doing just that. And it is so encouraging. Some of you who are listening, we get the opportunity to coach. We get the opportunity to host on experiences, but we want to invite you into a couple other things. First of all, the Right Side Up community. The Right Side Up community on Facebook is a safe place for you to grow in your leadership, to ask the hard questions, to learn from other leaders who want to live and lead healthy out of their unique design. There's some incredible leaders over there. We promise we keep those conversations safe. That's a protected space where we are going to make sure that you continue to respond to the questions, to learn from other leaders, and we want to facilitate that. Sometimes we do live streams in there. We'll bring podcast episodes over there sooner. We'll just kind of let you behind the scenes of some of the conversations we're having with some incredible leaders. The second opportunity for you is called our Right Side Up Journal. Our Right Side Up Journal, we created as a companion tool to coaching. We realized coaching simply wasn't Enough. Every other week with a coach for 90 minutes is incredible. But people need daily checkpoints, markers along the way, opportunities to declare a purpose for each day, to create some time blocking and some batching, and for leaders to get organized. And I can tell you, I use this journal every single morning. And this journal is an incredible three-month process in health, In impact and longevity, you can track your steps along the way. And we have hundreds of leaders across the country who use this every single morning. Groups use this together. Teams go through this. Church staffs go through this together. And the Right Side Up Journal is an incredible tool. And the last one is called Tuesday Tune Up. This is a practical email that's delivered every single week. And the question that that started our Tuesday Tune Up was, what if in five minutes a week, you could get something in your in, in your inbox that actually helped you make a practical change to your leadership and we are delivering that Tuesday tune up. Let me tell you where to find these places right side up community, just head on over to Facebook, uh, make sure to like the Stay Forth page, but then you can just request access. We'd love for you to come in there and introduce yourself. The Right Side Up Journal, you can go to rightsideupjournal.com, that's rightsideupjournal.com. Check it in the show notes below and Tuesday tune up, you can get this email delivered to you every single Tuesday by simply going to tuesdaytuneup.com. Again, find that in the show notes. We would love for you to track along with who we are at Stay Forth Designs. If you're interested in a replenishing experience or coaching that helps you clarify, head on over to stayforth.com and check out our experiences, check out our coaching friends. We are not just a podcast. We are a community of leaders who want you to live and lead healthy for the long haul. They want you to live out of unique design so you continue to live and lead well for the long haul. Friends, you don't have to burn out. You don't have to flame out if you live and lead how God has designed you. Well, Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Man,
1: thank you. This is such a privilege for me. I'm just a little nervous for your podcast because- you have so many awesome people tuning in and so many people that are fantastic in in my spot that I'm sure I feel like I'm going to drag you down and uh, maybe this is the least uh, and the uh last that you should have had on the podcast. I'm not
0: Stop sure. Stop it. You're <laughs> definitely the best dressed we've ever had in the podcast. I'm I'm looking through video and I mean unless you're wearing gym shorts underneath there you are the best dressed podcast guest we've ever had, Jack Boxer
1: shorts. I got boxer shorts okay. underneath, but
0: I got a tie on top. Coming in from Houston, <laughs> I don't blame you, man. It's like 8,000% humidity down there. I don't know how you guys do it. We were just talking about Colorado, talking about the mountains and creation and, and how that's so grounding for us to get back into those uh, those spaces. And we're going to talk about extraordinary life. We're going to talk about your book, A Strategic Path Toward Extraordinary uh, and the title is Do Life Differently. So talk about the ordinary versus the extraordinary. Why do people live ordinary lives, first of all?
1: Yeah, it's so interesting, Alan. I, um, I love to, to get a group of people in a room, maybe at the ranch or somewhere, and I will ask them, I, well, I'll tell you what I do. I write on the a marker board the word ordinary, and I'll ask the group, tell me about this word. And it is the most fascinating conversation that tends to be almost exactly the same every time. And the answer is, I don't want to be ordinary. And then I'll question them. Well, but isn't ordinary normal? And they'll say, yeah. And I say, well, are you saying that you don't want to be normal? (laughs) (laughs) And we get in this dialogue about whether if you're not normal, then that means you're abnormal. Well, you don't want to be abnormal. And, uh, but I do think, that there that none of us want to be ordinary but we are very afraid of risking being different or or not you know we sort of live in this world that wants us to be homogenized and wants us instead of to thrive in our uniqueness to be focused on our sameness and honestly we don't we're as a as a as a world we're not doing a great job of of embracing others' uniquenesses and differences. Uh, we tend to kind of say, oh, that person's different. I don't, yeah, that, oh, they're different. And the reality is we need to to view our uniquenesses as a huge blessing and sort of part of the seasoning, the salt of life that, uh, that can make such a difference.
0: Mm, I love that. We call that your unique design. And you've mentioned unique, uh, and you talk about life by design. What do you mean by that? You live life by design.
1: Yeah, I love to talk to people about their thumbprint, and it's kind of a little bit of a, you know, people say, well, okay, yeah, I get it that my thumbprint's different, and I always say that your thumbprint should move you toward a life print, and your life print should be as unique to you as your thumbprint is to you, um, and I and I love this idea that you and I were placed here on this crazy planet by God for a purpose. That was uniquely each of ours, and I I get it that it's hard, and and we try to figure that out. And gosh, what was my unique calling, and and that sort of thing. But boy, I think it is worth it to be on a missional pursuit of mission. What what is my mission that's unique to me?
0: Hmm. And design. We talk about design as form and function, and there's that that beauty to it, and the the spark to it. And there's also the side that's functional, that works, you know, within that. And that's a challenge to move between those, right? We can't live for vacation. We can't live, you know, sort of hate our work or time with family and then live for the weekends on that. What are some ways that we can kind of pop out of the ordinary when life is challenging? It's been a hard season. How can we keep that extraordinary in mind in the midst of some of the daily grind? Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, Alan, one of our things uh, that I talk to people a lot about is, I call it an integrity compass. You know, the word integrity, um, we think about character, uh, which is a good thing. Um, but the, the real root word of the, of the word integrity is a Latin word that's integer, which means a whole, to be a whole or not fractionated. And I think, you know, the, our integrity compass is sort of, if you picture a compass that points toward north. What is north in my marriage? What is North in my fitness? What is North in my community involvement or my family life? What is North in my faith? Uh, and for me, North in my faith is is a biblical, true North. Um, but I think in each area of our life, we need to really get a compass setting toward a biblical North and then say, I want to be running after extraordinary, in my marriage. And, you know, there's so often that I'm visiting with somebody and they're like, look, Reed, I it didn't, you know, my marriage is average and it's going to be average because I married an average person, <laughs> you know, or, or I, I, I'm above average and they're below average. And so that even equals out to average. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I don't know if that's quite the right paradigm. And <laughs> what if your vision were different? What, what could be possible 60 months from now What could be possible in your marriage if you took on, let's say it's a male, you took on that a part of your responsibility is for your sweetheart to to thrive in a way that you've never seen her thrive. And you said, it's my goal. It's my job. It's my calling to help her thrive. And uh, the person's like, well, I don't know if I want to do that. It's kind of like, well, okay, now we're back to biblical true north. (laughs) What are you really called to do? Uh, Because this really has to do with Christ and the church now. And so a lot to think about there. But I, man, this design question and what's our opportunity to run after extraordinary is is such a fun thing to ponder and have hope in, hope in what's possible.
0: Mm, That's good. It strikes me as so different from... Cynicism. The antithesis of cynicism is this hope that maybe, just maybe, God put me on this earth for a reason. And not that it's a hope in us yet; it's you know Christ in us. The hope of glory is one of the North Stars for me. Another one is workmanship before works. Ephesians two ten says God loves us. The who, uh, and then the what flows out of that, not the other way around. That I have to earn God's love. In that. One of those true north for you uh, is this mantra. Seek first to serve, love, care, matter, make a difference, and be a catalyst in the life of one another. That's a mouthful. Person, see if everything else doesn't work out for you. How has that become a north star for you?
1: Alan, it's funny. I am the managing partner of a relatively large, I shouldn't say relative, I I'm the managing partner of a really large financial services firm. And, you know, there's probably 300 people here, 170 advisors um, and 50,000 clients. A lot of responsibility there. I'm so proud of our team. Our team is full of Christians. But in addition to that, we have a lot of Muslims. We have a lot of Hindu folks. We've got Jewish people. We've got a few atheists. And it's just a big team. And frankly, we bring people in very, very, uh, purposefully with great diversity. And I'm talking about diversity in every way. Certainly I mentioned faith there, but uh, there's there's every brand of diversity you can imagine. And so I've studied Matthew 6. Matthew 6, I love. It's actually a, a theme verse for me in my pursuit of leading this uh, financial services firm. And you know that's, that verse in 633 that says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things. And so I, I got to thinking, I can't really say that in my mm. secular firm. That's, that doesn't work well. So I paraphrase. Seek first to serve and love and care and matter, and make a difference, be a catalyst in the life of another person, a client, a staff member, a colleague, people around you, people at home, people at the mm. office, and see if everything else in your life mm. doesn't just work out. And that's this crazy parallel uh, to Matthew six thirty three, and uh, wow, how fun has it been to watch that sort of unfold? And and truly, many of the folks that are in a different faith, um, religion, religion, will literally repeat that, mm-hmm. and it's so fun yeah. to you know to have that as an overarching mantra of the firm and our our advisors. Frankly. We, we don't hire people who can't embrace that thought. Yeah. We're here for others. We're here to serve and love others uh, yeah. with our career and with our lives.
0: Almost a manifesto of your team that holds you guys together. I love that. I mean, almost a modern uh, message, paraphrase version uh, of, of a verse that you want to sort of creep into the bones of everything that you guys do there. How did you get into financial services?
1: Yeah. You know, for me, it started at age 22,
0: (laughs) which was just like 10 years ago. So, I mean, that's (laughs)
1: right. I'm dating myself. I get it. But, um, man, I honestly, it was a lot of dialing that crazy phone and hoping, you know, that I could have a meaningful conversation. Most people, you know, when you call them on the phone and you're a financial advisor, they think you're a crook in the first place. (laughs) And so, you know, you'd have a lot to work through and fight through, but in a way, it's really fun. If you happen not to be a crook (laughs) and you, and you're really truly calling to serve somebody, uh, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting journey, but really a cool thing to get to do.
0: Hmm. You talk a lot about taking charge, leading yourself and others. What are a few practical ways that every listener can lead themselves and others right now?
1: Yeah. Um, I mentioned this a moment ago about 60 months, but I call we call it a V60, Victory 60 or Vision 60. But, but I'll challenge somebody, and this could be a client, it could be an advisor, it could be somebody we're just mentoring or coaching. But but what's your vision for your marriage? Your most optimistic vision for your marriage 60 months from now. What about your what about your physical fitness? What about your faith? 60 months from now, what would you like your faith to be like? <coughs> and that uh, wow We start asking that question and the 60 month thing sort of takes the pressure off. It's like, wow, that's five years from now. Mm. That's, you know, it's not five weeks from now that I've got to be that way. My marriage has got to be better. My fitness, I've got to lose 30 pounds in this short period of time. No, 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 no. I got plenty of time. So what's my vision? And then work back from there. And I think I heard you, Alan, in, in some of what you guys do live backwards, you know, thinking about, okay, five years from now, I'm going to look like this or be like this or change that. What's a step in that direction that I could do right now? And that's a, that's a cool thing that we, uh, that we work with people on.
0: Hmm. There is something about, we call it zooming out of just zooming out, getting a clear picture. And we find that during moments of margin, sabbatical, Um, there are a lot of leaders on sabbatical right now, but each week we get the invitation of Sabbath where we get to zoom out on our life and say, what does really matter? Not just the next meeting, not just the next deal, not just the next opportunity or podcast or content we need to create sermon. We need to preach, you name it. But how do we zoom out and say what truly matters about each moment? And I love that idea of 60 months, five years. How do we zoom out on that? What are some of the I don't know, the kind of ways that that almost tricks your brain, Jeff, as you zoom out for five years.
1: Yeah, I think it it just takes the pressure off and gets you more to a what could be possible question. What could be possible? And if I don't put myself on too short of a time frame, what could be possible? Mm. What was my dream? What was my dream for my marriage? What was my dream for Did I always think that I'd be 45 pounds overweight? Gosh, I didn't think that. Well, is it possible not to be, well, i might be in 60 months, but it isn't in five months. Right. And so we get to this place where we can dream a bigger dream and remember what our dream was um, and not give up on a spouse, not uh, even with some of our children, you know, what's our vision with a, with a child that's in a tough spot, you know, I get it that in the next few months, it's still going to probably be hard for that person to move enough in the direction, but gosh, what is my longer term vision? And then the crazy thing, Alan, that we ask for in the very short run, so we have a 60 month vision, but in the next month, we're going to start and begin what, what we refer to as a habit, a habit that moves us in the direction of the vision for 60 months out. And so let's say it's that person that needs to lose 40 pounds. It's not wake up tomorrow morning an hour earlier and go run five miles. In fact, they think to themselves, that's what I'll do. I used 20 years ago, I could run five miles, I can do it in 40 minutes. Well, that's not the answer. The answer is get up 15 minutes earlier and walk around the block. And they say, well, what would that do? The answer is it's it's the first day of your new habit. Take your next right You're going to walk around the block one time. You know, yeah. and then and then as time goes by, you you might walk twice, you might walk faster, you might start to run or jog, you know. But over time, the habit is the key. It's not. It's not. Um, Aristotle says we are what we repeatedly do, mm. and so he's talking about habits there, not a one-time event.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what have you learned, positive and negative? from spending time with a lot of high net worth people?
1: Oh, man. Well, biblically, and and I want to say this, we love our clients, and we're so privileged to get to serve them. So I want to be careful with the context here a little bit. But there's a biblical statement that says, you know, pride comes before the fall. And so we want to work with them in a way that brings out the best in them and uh and so we're trying to to create systems for coaching and focus but um really 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 got to work on pridefulness and so often uh you know there's biblical principles that say that it's you know it's as as difficult as a, a camel going through the eye of the needle for a wealthy person to you know finish the sentence and and the reality is um You know, I think the good news is that we've had some success in moving them from maybe a little lack of humility to to, toward generosity. Our greatest calling with our highest net worth individuals is to help them see that the world's not about them and they have this opportunity in generosity to make a difference in a way that's really, really powerful. And so that's been a, a fun, fun part of our calling. But, you know, in some ways uh, you have the good and the bad and the ugly when you have uh, uh, some wealthy people around you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Well, the outdoors is a place both you and I go for grounding. Uh, what is it about time, uh, whether it's out on the ranch or whether it's high in the Rockies, what is it about that time that's so grounding for you?
1: Man, um, I, 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 I just think it's life-giving, Alan. Um, we, Cindy and I, as I mentioned to you, just got back from, uh, from, from our, we have a place up in Beaver Creek, Colorado that we just love to go. And we were up there with another couple that are kindred spirits of ours. In fact, they, they are key leaders at Canica camp. And we were trying to create a little abundant renewal for them, kind of like you guys would do Alan. And, um, you know, there's a scripture in, in Amos, a little-known book called Amos, chapter four, and I I'll, this is a revised reader version of that scripture, mm-hmm. but um, the RRV. But um, it's uh, it, it basically says this: He who created the mountains, who causes the wind to blow, who causes the sun to rise in the east and set in the west, he who walks the high places of the earth and makes his no, his thoughts known to mankind. The Lord God Almighty of heaven's armies is his name. And I just, whether it's at our ranch or up in the mountains, I just love walking the earth and listening to God who makes his thoughts known to mankind. And I think that happens in nature uh, maybe better than anywhere else.
0: Mm, Yeah, so, so true. Clears the head really, really quickly. I'll be on a stream this evening and hopefully just pulling in the brown trout and the rainbows. I'll be out on a stream this evening. And there's nothing like being waist deep in the stream, whether I catch anything or not. But let's be real; I want to catch a lot. Ah, uh, oh, there's no place I'd rather be. I am not checking my text when I'm out there. I'm just airplane mode. There's nothing <laughs> quite like that. Last question for you, Jeff. Why is this book even more important than it was before the pandemic began? Man,
1: yeah, it's a great question. This book. Um, first of all, Alan, I wrote it in the pursuit of being a sheep in wolves clothing. The book is intended to be a book that wolves want to read. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't really write it, uh, as it, you know, you know, I wanted them to sort of see me as an almost another wolf. And so, um, there is so much biblical truth in the book, but the reality is the book is all about a secular person saying, wow, I need to think about truth. I need to think about uh, a strategy for my life that might be against the backdrop of a calling of God, uh, which I haven't thought about before. And so that's what's so gratifying about the book is so many kind of secular type people have read it and made comments. But I do think the pandemic has really taken us through this journey of, of, uh, Man, it, it, there's so much passivity. There's so much mental health problems, and this book has sort of helped people elevate above their mental health issue. It has helped some people say, "Man, I need to get back to a hopeful focus, and not just relegated to passivity. That hey, nothing can be done. I actually am am in control of me, and I can do life differently. and And so. Um'm I'm, I'm, I felt like the timing of this book was cool in all that we've been through in the last several months.
0: Wow, well, thanks so much. I've loved spending time with you. I hope we get to spend some time at some point in the future. Hope we get to hear another book from you, another message uh, close to your heart. But Jeff, I just want to leave you with this question. If there's one thing that you hope readers say about your message, about spending four or five hours, you know, learning from you and your life, what do you hope they say? Boy, that's a, I love that question. And
1: I'm going to, what, what hit my heart prayerfully is this, that they can learn that what's possible is exceedingly abundantly above or beyond anything that they or others would ask or think. As you know, that's Ephesians three twenty.
0: Yeah. Talk about dreams right there. The dreams. Thanks for coming on listeners. Um, I want to invite you and encourage you to zoom out this week to think as Jeff encouraged us about five years and to wonder what may be possible. We've been really zoomed in tight in this season. Maybe even you're you're struggling, you're overwhelmed. We understand it is a hard, hard season, and yet we can't afford not to dream ahead about life five years from now. What does extraordinary look like? Jeff, it's been really fun to hang out with you. Thanks so much for your thoughts.